Walking through this series, uh, and y'all, y'all pray for me. Um, I've had I had a crazy long week. Um, my wife and I were in Richmond for the first Richmond, Virginia, for the first part of the week, um, doing assessments for uh, up and coming church planters who want to plant churches um, in different uh, cities across America. So we did a couple assessments for a couple of people, um, and then the second half of the week, I had meetings down in Richmond because I serve on the leadership team for the North Atlantic um, region for Acts 29 uh, Church Planting Network. Um, And then yesterday I did a funeral uh, for my neighbor who was 43 years old. Um, He died of a heart attack, um, what they suspect was a heart attack, um, at the age of 43. And um, he had three kids, uh, 18-year-old son, a 15-year-old daughter, and a three-year-old son. Um, you guys probably remember him. He would come here a lot. Um, he had his little boy, Tristan. Tristan would run around on the rug. So um, I did his funeral yesterday. So y'all pray for me. Uh, pray for my strength. And for, listen, I need to repent too. Forgive me for not giving you guys opportunities to pray for me. Uh, I feel like sometimes I'm the pastor and I got to shoulder things on my own, but that's not the case. Uh, God has given me a group of people that love me and who care for me, and I want to give you guys more opportunities to pray for me. So please receive my repentance for that. Uh, I love you guys, and I know that you guys love me. So I'm going to give you all more opportunities to pray for me, okay? All right. Okay. Now we're going to go. Y'all ready? Y'all need to stretch? No? Anybody, everybody good? You pull your leg, something like that? Get Okay, don't pull a hammy while you're here in the sermon. (laughs) So, all right. Let me pray. (laughs) Father, thank you, Lord, just for this day. Um, Lord, a day that you have made, God. And thank you, God, that you have done all things well, God, and that you make all things new. So, God, I pray for renewed hearts today. God, I pray for renewed minds. God, I pray for strength Uh, in our bodies today, God. I pray, God, that as we spring forward, uh, that we didn't spring forward ahead of you. God, help us to stay in line with your will and with your grace, God. And God, may we never, God, forget that it is you who woke us up in the morning, God. It wasn't our alarm clock, so we could spring it forward or fall it back however much we want. If you don't give us breath in our bodies and the ability to get up in the morning, we will not wake up. So, God, I pray, God, that you would strengthen us today. Uh, Encourage hearts, God. Renew minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I got a message titled for you today as Hidden Voices. Hidden Voices. This this series explores the stories of several women in Jesus' genealogy and life, um, revealing the various ways uh, they were misunderstood and or marginalized. So through these stories, we we witness the way the biblical narrative was uniquely communicated through their lives. And we're reminded to listen and learn from other perspectives. Where the culture may have silenced or rejected these women, their inclusion in Jesus' genealogy or his elevation of them during his life gives us a guide for using our own influence and power to build up the marginalized in our own lives. 
So that's what we're driving at today. Last week, we talked about Tamar or Tay-Tay. We talked about her for a little bit. Um, this week, we're going to talk about Ray-Ray. Um, Rahab, the story of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 13. Um, hear these words of our father. It says that before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. Verse 10, she says, for we have heard. Somebody say heard. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Verse 12. Now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my father's family because I show kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. Somebody say sure sign. That you will spare the lives of my father mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them. She wasn't just concerned about herself. And save us from death. Rahab's story, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out for you a bit, so give me a few seconds to walk you through the, the background of this story because it's important for you to note. Rahab's story is similar to Tamar's in this. We often locate all of the blame for the particulars of the story on the woman because of her role as a prostitute. Well, if you read the story a little further, you know that Rahab was a prostitute. And in this story, we often pause, we, we often don't pause to realize that the Israelite spies were very, very likely had as much culpability in terms of sexual immorality as she did. The Hebrew text uses double entendres to imply that the men weren't just stopping by her house. See, some folks like to sanitize the text. They like to to wash the text and make the text look pretty and and make it seem as if things in the text weren't as uh, as bad as they appeared. But the Hebrew uses these double entendres to imply that the men weren't just stopping by her house. We could read that in the story anyway on our own if we were really being faithful to the text. But theologians explain that when the spies entered her house, in verse 1, the word used actually has a double meaning. Similar to when we say, sleep with someone. You ain't sleeping when you're sleeping with someone. 
So the Hebrew here, it indicates for us that they weren't just entering to her house. They were entering. Amen, somebody. So the, the word, it, it, it has this double meaning similar to that, but without understanding the language or cultural context, we would miss the equal immorality of the spies' decisions. They were, they were sent on a mission by Joshua to go and spy out the land, but instead of spying out the land, they were spying out something else. Oftentimes, that's us as men. We're supposed to uphold our responsibilities, yet we get caught up and trapped in other things, and we don't do the thing that God commands for us to do. And God had given Joshua clear indication that if people did not obey the commandments that he gave them at the end of chapter 1, then that they would be put to death. But another detail that I want you to know here that's often overlooked in this story is found in verse 11. The Lord, Rahab, she, 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 she says, the Lord, your God is God in in the heaven above and on the earth below. Why is that important for us to know and not for us, for us not to overlook? Rahab has an incredible understanding of the sovereignty of God, even though her people don't worship that God. See, Rahab was an Amorite. She was one of the folks included in the folks that were in the land of Canaan that were supposed to be destroyed because of their inability to worship God. And so as these men entered into the city, they were supposed to be spying out the land and there were Amorites there and Rahab was one of those people. But yet we see this Amorite woman in verse 11 saying that the Lord your God, talking to the Israels, the Lord your God is the God of heaven and of the God of earth below. And she uses his name. See, she is fearless in her speech, praising God and bargaining with the spies to ensure the safety of her family. See, Ray Ray's story is not just a random inclusion in the grand scheme of the history of Israel that was that was written. There, there is a theological message being communicated that we could miss. See, without her... We have a story of ethnic cleansing. Every Canaanite is under the ban. So so with her confession of faith included in the story, we have proof that any and everyone, even the most unlikely, can come to believe. And the one who believes shall be rescued. See, I I love arguing with the Hebrew Israelite cats when they try to tell me about Israel and all that kind of stuff like that. And I tell them, I said, Gentiles were included the whole time. Gentiles are in the lineage of Jesus all throughout. In fact, most of the women who bore the children who would become the kings, they were Canaanite and Gentile women. So when we really look at the passage, and if we really want to have an argument about who the true Jew is, we will find out that these Jews were a bunch of mutts anyway. So Rahab's story should point us to listen more attentively to the cause and experience of the marginalized, particularly when it comes to reading the scripture. See, women who have experienced sex trafficking, 
uh, even in, in completely different cultural contexts, are much more likely to understand immediately that these men were coming to rehab for some sexual services. They don't sanitize it because of their experience. They are also able to offer, offer deep insight into the plight of women who are sexually exploited. And so people from marginalized ethnic and racial groups will bring powerful insight into the experiences of the Israelites in exile or under Roman rule. So in order for us to understand the experiences of the marginalized, and here's my first idea, my main point, is that we must attentively listen to their hidden voices. And the way that we do that is in verse number eight. It tells us we've got to wake up from our sleep. See, verse eight says that before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof. See, Ray Ray would suspend the men's sleep because she needed her voice to be heard. She needed to have her voice heard because she knew she was in a life or death situation. See, the, the king of Jericho had sent word to Rahab, and he sent word to her to send the men out from her house, but she knew that turning the, the Israelite men in would cause her fate to be sealed. See, so Rahab here, she, 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 she disobeys the command of the king of, of Jericho who told her, send the men out. In other words, he says, we know what you're doing in there. We know why those men are there. And we know that they came into your house. But we want you to send them out so that we can take them because we know why they're here. And see, the king of Jericho had, he, when he sent word to Rahab to, to send them out, uh, she had a hard time turning those Israelite men over to the authorities. See, she knew that by doing that, it would seal the fate of not only her, but of her whole household. Why? She knew that the Lord God was with the Israelites. So she needed to cut off their sleep in order to make them deal with her for the safety of her future. So see, see we too, uh, with the marginalized in our community, we can't wait. The marginalized in our community, they can't wait for us to wake up from our sleep. See, I, I have debates sometimes with people um, when I was planning this church and they, they were saying to me, because uh, I was telling them, like, listen, people in my community, like, they, they, they need a church like ours right now. Like, they, don't, they, they can't afford to wait. They can't afford uh, for, for people to get off of their butts and, and, and determine for us when the proper time is for that to happen. Like, we need it now. It's, it's life or death happening in this city. We've got, we've got stuff going on in our city that we've got to turn the tide on, and God wants to use a church who will commit to being on the block to see Murder Town USA be transformed to Mercy Town USA. But see, she needed her voice to be heard, and, and, and many of the marginalized in our community are the same way. They, they need their voice to be heard by us. See, escaping poverty, because they need to be heard because they're in a life or death situation. Escaping poverty is a life or death situation. Let's just keep it 100. People that are in poverty oftentimes are faced with decisions of life or death. 
do I pay the heat this week or do I get my baby some food? Do I get gas in the car this week or do, do I make sure that I've got enough money in the bank to be able to pay the rent so that we could keep a roof over our heads? See, people in poverty are faced with life and death situations all the time and escaping poverty is a life and death situation. And I'm not just talking about the financial circumstances of poverty. I'm talking about the mental and emotional states of poverty as well. See, and, and, and more than that, I'm talking about the, the moral state of poverty that we find ourselves in. See, our greatest poverty is not the, our financial poverty. It's our moral poverty. Our greatest sense of poverty is that, is that our bank accounts have been bankrupt and we don't have enough to, to, to be able to pay Jesus the debt that we owe, to pay God the debt that we owe him. And if it wasn't for Jesus stepping in to pay that debt, then we would not be able to have that debt paid and we would not be able to be in a relationship with God the Father. So, eradicating violence in the inner city is a life and death situation. That one is obvious. But closing the school to prison pipeline is a life or death situation. See, we, we've got situations in, 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 our, in our own city, and we don't, oftentimes we don't even recognize that this is the case, but the, the young boys in our community are being set on a trajectory by where they are heading straight to prison. And people don't care about it. People don't even have an idea that that's going on, that our young boys and our, and our young girls are being equipped to go to prison. I know I'm not going to get too many amens in here today, and that's all right. I know y'all done sprung forward and all that, and this is, this is difficult to hear, but I got to speak the truth up here. See, the, the, the difficulty is, is that we have marginalized folks in our community who do not have a voice. And if we are to be the people of God, if we are to be the representation of God here on the earth, then we must be able to hear the hidden voices of the marginalized. So it says here that she didn't have time. She, she went straight up to the roof. She said, listen, I'm coming up here. I know I hid y'all, but listen, they coming for y'all. And I need y'all to know that my people here, we with y'all and we need to be saved because I know that your God's going to come and he's going to give you this land. So if you could, please, could you help a sister out? See, as, as true followers of Christ, we can't allow people to sleep and lie down in comfort while the marginalized around us are in calamity. See, we can't allow for people to just be comfortable and live their comfortable lives. We've got to call our brothers and sisters in Christ and tell them, listen, there are people here in this neighborhood who are hurting and they need a voice and they need to be heard so that they can have a connection with God the Father so that their lives can be transformed. And see, if we're going to hear the hidden voice of the marginalized, then we've got to know what the Lord has given Join me, verse number nine. Verse number nine, she says that she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. See, I want you to see this. Rahab perceived the plan of the Lord because she perceived his hand. Hear me. 
she was able to discern what the Lord was up to in her life based on what he had done in the past. See, the same is true for you and me. We can know what God is up to in our lives based on what he's already done in the past. So if you're worrying and you're concerned about your future on your job, just note and remind yourself about what God has already done in your life as it has related to your personal finances and your career. If you're concerned about your future educational goals, just remind yourself about what God has already done in your life as it relates to your education. And see, I grew up in Camden, and, and, and listen, we didn't, we didn't have the best education in Camden, but somehow, some way, the Lord made a way. The Lord made a way, and he provided. And as I think about that, and as I was getting ready to go to college, I was wondering, listen, I barely passed the 11th grade. How am I going to go and do, do this thing in college? But somehow the Lord made a way, and he provided, and I was able to go to school and be able to get an education and further uh, my life because of that education. And see, if you're concerned and you're worried about what God is doing to do in your future, just remember what he's done in your past. If you're worried about those relationships, remember how God has uh, preserved you already. Some of you needed some preservation based on the relationships that you were in. Just craziness. But listen here, Ray Ray, she, she also knew who the source of her provision would be. She says, look, I I know that the Lord has given this into your hand already. And she, she, she uses the word Yahweh here. This Amorite Gentile woman knew the name of the Lord. See, she knew that her deliverance was connected to the ever existing one. That's Yahweh. And it's amazing that this Gentile prostitute would know the proper name of God. So as we deal with the marginalized, our mission and our aim is to help them to come to know the proper name of the one true God. See, we, 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 we have the mission and commission to go and proclaim the name of Jesus to those who are lost and to those that are marginalized. We've got a commission and a command to go and tell any and everybody that we can about the name of Jesus, the one that the scripture tells us that at his name, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. The one who we know that at his name, that the, that the oceans were created. We know that at his word, the, the, the earth and the skies were formed at his name the birds in the sky and the flowers on the ground all of those things were created through jesus and so as we deal with the marginalized it's our job to tell them about jesus to help them to come to know god through loving the word so that means that we've got to be intentional about inviting people and and, and encouraging people through the word We've got to be intentional about telling people about the Jesus who transformed our lives and moved us from where we were wallowing in sin. And each and every one of us was wallowing in sin, whether you know it or not. You were in sin, and if it had not been for Jesus who provided salvation for you, you would still be lost. See, she says, I know that that the Lord has given you this land. Rahab knew that the one true God would permit Israel to have the land of Jericho, and she knew it 
it would only come into their hands because God was going to give it to them. And the same is true for us in here today. If you find yourself in a privileged position, it is only because God has given it to you. See, stop treating the marginalized as if you gained everything that you have on your own. See, see, we, we, we like to act like the position that we're in is because we studied hard in school. We like to pretend like the position that we're in is because our mama and daddy set us up with a little something. We like to think that the reason that we're in the position that we're in is because we're so smart and we're so pretty and we've got all these things going on for ourselves. But the reason that you're in the position that you are in is because God has given you everything that you have. See, God is the reason. And and the realization, hear this, the realization of God's provision should terrorize your privilege. In other words, realization of God's provision should cause you to dread any perceived privilege in your life because if God were to remove his provision from your life, everything would come crumbling down. And see, the the realization of God's provision should attack your sense of privilege and self-sufficiency. See, the, the word can mean, for she says here, that terror has fallen on us. And that, that word can mean to produce a sense of inferiority. And that is exactly what a proper perspective on your privilege will do. It will cause you to recognize the inferiority of everything that you have. Your degree becomes inferior when you recognize God's provision. Your career becomes inferior when you recognize God's provision in your life. Your socioeconomic status becomes inferior when you recognize that God is the one who is taking care of your finances. So we, we have to have a, a, a sense of terror fall on us if we have the right perspective about God's provision in our life. And as we deal with the marginalized, we deal with them from a different perspective, knowing that if not for the grace of God, we would be the ones in that situation being marginalized and being ostracized. So she says that... that Terror has fallen on us, and everybody here is panicking. Hearing the hidden voice of the marginalized, here's what this word means, this word for panicking, it it literally means to soften. So hearing the hidden voice of the marginalized will cause you to soften your heart towards them. See, the problem is, the reason why we don't engage with marginalized people It's because our hearts are hardened towards them. See, our hearts are hardened towards the little black boy in the inner city because we have a perception about them in our minds already. And that perception has caused us to harden our hearts and a callus has formed over our hearts. And we cannot see them as a brother who is in need of God's grace. We can only see them as a problematic proposition in our life. 
we just see them as an obstacle in the way to us having the kinds of things that we want to have. If this neighborhood weren't that bad, I'd be okay living in Wilmington. See, if, if, if things weren't this bad here at this school, I'd be all right with my children going to this school. See, we, 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 we've got we to shift our perspective on how we deal with marginalized people. And we've got to remove the hardness from our hearts. And that's what this, here, this passage is implying to us, is that when we have a panic and terror and a healthy fear of the Lord, then we will move towards marginalized and lost people with a different perspective. How does all this happen? She says, Ray Ray says in, in, in verse, um, verse 11, she says, verse 10, she, she says that we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt and how you did those two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed them. And when we heard this, she says, we lost heart and everybody's courage failed because of you for the lord your god is god in heaven above and on the earth below see this amorite woman this prostitute had a clear picture about god not based on what she had directly experienced but based on what she had heard why is that important? That's important for us to note because Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there are people, marginalized folks in our community who the reason why they have, they're not walking in the kind of lifestyle that they should be walking in is because they have not heard about the life that God wants to give. And how can they hear unless someone tells them? See, our responsibility is to tell people about the life that God wants them to have. See, people are stuck in the lifestyle that they're stuck in because they don't believe that there's any other life. See, the reason why they're in the life that they're in is because they don't recognize that Jesus offers them a different type of life and a, a life that Jesus says is an abundant life. So when we proclaim Jesus to lost people, what we do is we proclaim to them that God has a life for you that is abundant and that will fill you and it will be better than the life that you currently have. Did you know that Rahab is held up in the New Testament as a model of faith? Did you know that? For, she, and, and she's held up as a model in, of faith two times in the New Testament. First, she appears in the list of heroes and heroines of, of, of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, where it says in verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab 
because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And if you knew how to praise God, you would be rejoicing right now, knowing that it is by faith that you are in this place right now, able to worship God because of the faith that he imparted to you to be able to believe in him. Then, in the book of James... Rahab is referred to where it says, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? That's James chapter 2, verse 25. Here is true faith because it was faith in action. See, her faith led her to do something. So we must marvel at what this woman did. She demonstrated her faith in God by welcoming and hiding spies. And she did this not because of anything that personally happened to her, but because of what she had heard about God. Is there anybody in here who's heard about God? Is there anybody in here today who's heard about the goodness of Jesus? Is there anybody in this room right now who's heard something about Jesus that they just couldn't turn away from and that it was just irresistible to them that they had to go and find out who is this Jesus? See, we got to marvel at that. And some folks in here today, you might not know about this God. And you might have heard, you might be here because you heard something about this God. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to try him for yourself. See, so as we transition, we, we, we must proclaim what we have heard. And if we're going to reach the marginalized, then we must proclaim what we have heard. See, she says here, because of what we heard, we lost heart. See, so hearing of the faithfulness of God, here's what it does. It causes his enemies to faint. That's what that word for losing heart means. It means that to faint or to melt away or, or to grow fearful. So hearing of the faithfulness of God causes his enemies to faint away. And, and hearing of the faithfulness of God also causes the enemies of God to lose their confidence and their cool. They they won't be able to remain in their condition when they hear about God's faithfulness. So for folks that are in a lost condition, and if you're worried about their condition, what you need to do is share with them about the faithfulness of God. Because learning about the faithfulness of God will transform anybody's situation. She says... Because the Lord, your God, is God. And see, because of the people of God, the enemies of God will gain proper perspective about God. And because of their proper perspective that they will gain, we can continue to proclaim and tell people about, the, about Jesus. Because when, when, when people's perspective changes about Jesus because of what they heard, their hearts begin to open up and they're able to receive the good news about Jesus. So what does that mean for you? That means keep going back and keep telling them. 
Keep going back and keep telling them. If they don't listen, guess what? You go back again and you tell them again. Are y'all following me? So here's my last idea, and I, I'm, I got to close. We must pledge to join forces with the marginalized. Hear this in verse 12. She says, now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness, not just to me, but to my father's family. Because she's saying here, I show kindness to you. And, and she's saying to them, give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my brothers, my sisters, my mother, and all who belong to them, and save us from death. See, this, this, this oath, it, it, see, when she's asked them to swear, she's asking them to take an oath. And in ancient times, oaths were, com- were, were confirmed through sacrifices or through witnesses. And oaths were confirmed through seven sacrifices and seven witnesses or seven pledges. So the number seven here, this reminds us that we've got to use all seven of our days in help for the proclamation of Christ to the marginalized. So in other words, we've got to use the completeness of who we are, the completeness of ourselves to ensure that the plight of the marginalized in our community does not remain the same. So Rahab was asking these men to produce something. She says, listen, show kindness to me and to my family. She was calling them to have their have action be put on to the faith that they had in their God. And we, when we are aligned with the marginalized, we have to be called to action as well. We can't just talk about it from our soapboxes. We've got enough people pontificating about injustice. We need people producing action that will eradicate injustice through kindness. And hear this, this beautiful Hebrew word here she uses. She says, show kindness. In other words, it's the, the hesed of God. This word means goodness, kindness, faithfulness, mercy, favor, loving kindness. We, we might be imagining how through mercy God would receive her under the protection of this chosen nation. She, she was called, calling them to receive her into their people. She's saying, listen, I'm going to help you, and I need you to help me and my people out as well. So we're probably wondering, how did this happen? Did God bring her in on a lower plane? Did he say that you could come in and, you know, you could be a water carrier or a woodcutter? That's not what happened here. Rahab, although she was a Gentile, an Amorite, and a prostitute, she was immediately accepted as a full member of the favored nation of God. How do I know that? She marries a Jew 
and she became an ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Matthew chapter 1 tells us that Rahab would go on to marry a man in the tribe of Judah named Salmon. And they would have a son. Watch this. They would have a son whose name would be Boaz. That man Boaz would marry another Gentile woman by the name of Ruth, who we're going to talk about her next week. He would marry Ruth and she was a Moabite. And then Boaz and Ruth would have a son named Obed. And Obed would have a son named Jesse. And then Jesse would have a son who would become King David. Rahab wasn't given some second class salvation. From the very beginning, she received the whole thing. And her position was equal to that of any citizen of Israel. And in proof of that, she was brought into the noble line of the tribe of Judah and became an ancestor of our Lord. So when Rahab asked for mercy for her father's house, she was speaking about the present, but she was also speaking prophetically. See, Rahab was asking for mercy for her whole family since she showed mercy to those Israelites. And there was a retributive repair that was necessary in order to forward the cause of her marginalization. And that's what the marginalized in our community need as well. They need, as she said to them, give me a sure sign. The marginalized in our community need surety and stability. And the church must be a faithful sign to the marginalized that God cares about them. The the church must be the continuance of Christ's work in the world. And let's not be confused here because Christ's main work was to point people to a relationship with God through believing in him. So when we operate in this continuance of his work, we set a distinguishing mark or a standard before marginalized people of God's miracle working power in their life noting that they are not too far off that God cannot save them she says spare our lives save us God is able to spare the life of the marginalized but guess what he wants to use his people to do it When we recognize the hidden voice of the marginalized, what we do, this word for saving means to snatch or to deliver or to rescue. So when we recognize the hidden voice of the marginalized, we're able to snatch them out of the hands of death. We're able to deliver and rescue them away from death. And God has called us, his people, to be agents of reconciliation calling men and women into relationship with God the Father. So, you, maybe you're here today, and you, you don't know about the grace of God, you don't know about this hesed, 
this mercy, this loving kindness, this goodness of God. God is able to spare your life. Just as he took this Gentile Amorite prostitute and placed her directly in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will take the broken pieces of your life and he will use them for his glory. So if you're here today, we want to invite you to a relationship with Jesus. And I want to pray. So if you're here, just just let somebody know about that. But I'm going to pray for all of us today. Every head bow, every eye closed. Gracious Lord, our Father, we pray. Lord, that as we were once marginalized, people on the margins who were far off from you, you sent your Son into the world to die in our place, to remove the stain and the guilt of sin. God, we thank you for moving in our lives, in our marginalization, God. And we're praying, God, in this new season of our church and of of our lives, God, that you would use us as your people, God, to reach those that are marginalized. God, I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice today that does not know you. God, I pray that they would cry out, Lord, what must I do to be saved? God, we know that you're able to do that through the power of your name. We know that there is power in the name of Jesus. So God, we welcome you today. Transform our hearts and our minds. Renew us, God. And renew our right spirit with